Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Time to listen in on what markets are talking about. People in the markets. Asia Pacific shares are little changed this morning as investors await the release of Chinese purchasing data that's due out in about 40 minutes. Sydney is trading up. About one-third of a percent. Tokyo is flat. And trading in South Korea opened just a few minutes ago, an hour later than normal due to a university entrance exam. The scholastic ability test, so important in South Korea that public offices and banks and even stock markets open later in order to reduce traffic to help students arrive at the exams on time. Terrific. Speaking of time, it's time to welcome back to Market View my colleague Ryan Huang. It's Thursday. Ryan, how are you doing? Happy Thursday, Michelle. Yeah, doing well. Let's start this morning with some good news. The UK has become the first Western country to approve the mass rollout of a COVID-19 vaccine. So 800,000 doses are going to be available in the UK from next week. Ryan, which company's vaccine has the UK chosen and who will receive the vaccines? Mm, So this is great news for Pfizer and BioNTech. And in fact, we saw their share prices up in the overnight action. And uh, looking at what we've got for Let's start with Pfizer first. Its stock price was up 3.5%. And you've got the ADRs of the Germany-based BioNTech. Those were up 6.9%. So really up on the news that the UK has approved the vaccine. Of course, like you pointed out, it's the first in the Western part of the world to do so. So leapfrogging the likes of the US and the EU. And the, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, even um, announced that you no know, help is on the way. So really trying to lend some confidence to the wider population that there is this vaccine coming soon and the recovery uh, is going to be just around the corner, at least with the hopes of a vaccine. So they have ordered 40 million doses. So that's enough for 20 million people because you've got the two-dose um, regiment. And what's going to come first is around an initial shipment of 800,000. And the first group that will be able to get it will be the frontline workers, the healthcare workers, as well as the elderly people in home care, those who need people caring for them. Of course, these are the more vulnerable um, parts of the population. So this is, um, I guess, some optimism that the vaccine will go some way towards um, helping the UK economy be able to lift its restrictions and whatnot. But there is this caveat, of course, this is amid the backdrop of how Boris Johnson is going through a lot of pressure on Brexit and there's some criticising it as a political coup that this is just him also coming to pressure to get a bit of a win uh, as the Brexit negotiations count down towards the end of the year. Yeah, and details of the vaccine. This is the vaccine that has to be stored below minus 70 degrees Celsius. So how are you going to get the vaccine to residents in aged care homes? Or how can people in the aged care homes go to centres that are not going to be too far away from you know where they live? So the, the logistics of the vaccine delivery are definitely going to come in the spotlight. The company, though, saying now that the vaccine can be stored up to five days in a fridge at between 2 and 8 degrees Celsius. So I'm, I'm always interested in vaccine delivery mm. and, um, you know, the companies that are going to benefit along that. Yeah, those I think lines. it points out that the UK only took 10 days to approve it. And this has been criticised by the EU, who mm. say they are also studying the same thing, but they will only be able to do so as early as December 29th. So they are a bit more cautious. 
Well, this is the first group that's going to be getting the vaccine outside of trial groups. So, you know, that a caution is warranted. Some might say uh, the other side of the coin is uh, the earlier we get the vaccine going, the better, for, especially for the aged in care homes, right? The markets, meanwhile, took news in stride. The FTSE 100 finished up a bit more than 1% yesterday. Shares of Pfizer did the same. BioNTech jumped more than 6% in U.S. trading. In the United States, Democrats and Republicans appear to be moving close to adopting a new stimulus bill, President-elect Joe Biden pushing Congress to pass a measure now before he is inaugurated. Now, the biggest obstacle may be a U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So what's the latest here, Ryan? Yeah, so we've got the start of the week. You might remember us talking about this proposal, $900 billion proposal by a bipartisan group. So that is in the middle of this discussion. So what's happened in the past few hours and days, mm. is it's gotten a bit more support from the likes of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. So they are saying that, hey, this is a good bill and it's a good starting point for us to continue negotiations and maybe reach a bit of a compromise on where we need to go. So the backdrop, of course, is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is eyeing $2.2 trillion of um, stimulus package. So this is a bit of a signal that she's willing to compromise to drop it to maybe even $900 billion or even lower. Uh, so that is, of course, versus the expectations of um, S- Senator um, Mitch McConnell from the Republican side, who is thinking of an even lower sum of $500 billion. And fundamentally, they have different views on how to allocate the money. So that is going to be a big uh, sticking point still for them to work through. But I guess stepping aside from all that, um, markets are digesting the optimism that they are making a step forward in mm-hmm. being able to start talking again. In fact, you have uh, Mitch McConnell saying they are now at a phase where they are having constructive discussions. So that is, uh, I guess, good news if you are looking for good news. Yeah, at least an effort to work together following that split decision. In other U.S. news, the U.S. House has passed a bill that may lead to Chinese companies being booted off the U.S. stock exchanges. The bill has bipartisan support. It's expected to be signed into law by U.S. President Donald Trump. What exactly are the new rules that Chinese companies will have to follow? Yeah, so this is one to watch because it has so many potential implications. And the um, backdrop to this is the way that Chinese companies list on the uh, U.S. exchanges. They don't really have the same level playing field with you. If you are a U.S. regulator, you can't look into the books of these Chinese companies. Mm. You can't audit them. You can't find out what's going on with the numbers. And that is what this um, current bill is trying to address. It's called the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act. And what it will be able to do is uh, they will need the foreign companies, especially Chinese companies, to comply to U.S. auditing standards. And if they don't do so for, I guess, three years in a row, they will be liable or would be potentially kicked out of the exchange. So that is an additional requirement for them. And this really is interesting because if you look at what's been happening in the past few months and years, you've got a lot of Chinese companies looking elsewhere to list. Even Ang Group to the um, collapsed IPO was looking to Hong Kong for the secondary listing. So this could maybe pave the way for Chinese companies to look elsewhere, not Mm. just the US exchanges for capital markets, but the likes of Hong Kong, 
Australia, Singapore. So that could be great news for other capital markets. Yeah. So uh, the regulations meant to address long-standing issues that benefit U.S. investors. The flip side, of course, is long-term. Are you going to see a flight of Chinese companies to other exchanges? And will this then restrict the choices for investors? So balancing protection and choice for investors coming into the fore. Let's bring the discussion back home this morning. Less than a quarter of an hour ago, a new company joined the Singapore Exchange. Credit Bureau Asia, they've gone public. Its IPO was more than 60 times oversubscribed. So how is Singapore's newest listed company trading this morning? Okay, so that is getting a really strong support and response from retail investors and institutional investors. And that is why you're seeing such a huge oversubscription rate. And the offer price was at 93 cents. Mm. So this will put its market cap around $214 million. And right in the opening minutes, I'm looking at the stock price and it is trading around $1.16. So that is more than 20% since um, it started opening uh, for trade this morning. So this is also significantly the second non-read listing on the main board this year. And just to give you a bit of background, what is Credit Bureau Asia? So this is a credit risk assessment um, agency. And you might be familiar with the subsidiary, it's subsidiary, Credit Bureau Singapore. So this is where you get your credit report when you're buying a flat, getting a mortgage and whatnot. And you will be going through this website trying to um, get... You pay $5 and you get your credit report. Credit standing. Mm. So this is actually, it's subsidiary. And this is a joint Mm. venture between it and the uh, ABS, Association of Bank of Singapore. So that is what you are pretty much um, backing or getting into if you are getting into investing in Credit Bureau Asia. Okay, so I'll keep an eye on that. Credit Bureau Asia, 60.8 times subscribe for its IPO. We also have news this morning of another new listing that is due to take place soon, GHY Culture and Media. It's going to be the third company that is not a REIT to list on the main board this year. So what are investors saying about this listing? Yeah, so look at what's happening with the IPO scene. Mm. In 2019, we didn't get any non-REIT listings on the main board and now we have three uh, is this a sign that things are going to pick up hey there's, this is going to be quite exciting right mm-hmm. and look at GHY Culture and Media uh, for those not familiar with it it is a production house doing drama film uh, makeup props talent management and it's behind the remake of the popular TV drama Little Nonya and it even organises concerts for artists like Jay Cho so it's got a bit going for it it's got the entertainment scene uh, that is trying to um, build and that is one of the reasons why the um, is, is doing an IPO the proceeds will go towards expanding its business and just to give you a bit of financial background uh, GHY's net profit for the first half of 2020 was at $13.1 million it's up from $11.8 million the year before so it is making money it's profitable so if you want to be invested in the entertainment scene this is one proxy yeah I didn't know there was a remake of Little Nonya. I understand (laughs) there's a Chinese remake because they're doing it in collaboration with a Chinese firm. I have to check that out. All right, before we check in on the markets, one last item I want to squeeze in this morning. It's about the 1MDB scandal. Goldman Sachs has been trying to make top executives return the bonuses that they receive related to their work with 1MDB. But one high-profile former employee is proving troublesome. So who is it? Yeah, the thing is, if someone gave you $10 million, would Would you want to give it back? 
So that is the <laughs> question Gary Cohn has been asking himself for the past year or so. And the Goldman Sachs uh, saga is around how it had declared its intent to claw back nearly $67 million that he gave out to his executives over the past few years uh, um, due to the proceeds from the YMDB saga. It had managed to claw back most of it except for one guy, and that's Gary Cohn, the mm. former president. And according to the reports, he is still unwilling to give back the money, but when he's being asked what's going on, he says, oh, I'm having constructive conversations with Goldman Sachs. So he is trying to be vague around it, going by what we are seeing. And I think this is going to be um, a tough one for Goldman Sachs. They can't really do anything to force uh, Gary Cohn to give back the money. So on the PR front, it is going to be a bit of a um, some damage when they are trying to recuperate or recover some of their um, reputational image. Yeah, it's definitely not the case that he can't pay back $10 million. He's one of the most well-paid executives after a very lucrative career on Wall Street. Let's check in on local stocks now. The STI finished marginally lower yesterday at 28.10. How's the STI doing? 19 minutes past nine this morning. Yeah, 28.10 is the, I guess, level, the 28,000 level to watch out for. For the past four days, it's been trading around the 28,000 support level. And right now, it's trading at... 2,800.79. It's down by 0.4%. So I think this is going to be um, interesting to watch. Will it continue to drift sideways and flatline for after a strong month in November when it was up by nearly 15%? And if you look at some of the top movers, uh, yesterday we had the banks um, really doing well. It's It was up with UOB leading the gains with a climb of 0.8%. But this morning... Um, the banks, uh, some of them are giving back the gains. And you have DBS and OCBC down by at least 0.2%. UOB extending yesterday's gains by 0.2%. So you are looking at a mixed picture for banks so far. At the bottom of the SDI table yesterday was Thai beverage. was down 2.7%. So far, it is flat at 71.5 cents. And of course, Credit Bureau Asia... It is one to watch and it is now trading at 1.15. He's Ryan Huang, I'm Michelle Martin and you've been listening to Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.